every heart, every individual, every family, and every household that is represented here, Lord. You know, God, our needs. We come before you, Lord, and we ask you to minister. Go before your people and bless meet the needs they have, Lord. Amen, Lord, and we ask that you bless us this day as we gather here, Lord, for, amen, Lord, for this, amen, holy convocation. We pray that you bless us. God, bless us in your word. Strengthen us, O Lord. Help us, O God. Open up our ears that we may hear, our eyes that we may see, and our hearts that we can be converted unto you. Minister unto us, O God. Strengthen us. Lord, that we may be able, Lord, to increase and abound in you, Lord, in your holy word, in faith and love, God. Bind us together that we can be, Lord, one body, Lord, in one spirit, in one mind, in one accord together. Bless us with your unity, Lord, this unity and this harmony and this love, O oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, we pray. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. May you be seated. You can go to your respective classrooms, all of you that are here. <clears throat> Make you see everybody else. Amen. Well, hopefully, this morning I can somehow, by the help of the, with the help of the Lord, impart some understanding, spiritual understanding to you so that you can understand the Lord. You can understand certain things about yourself. I think that's really important for us. I believe it's imperative for our salvation. Uh, if you want to turn with me to the in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 14, we'll be looking at verses uh, 5 and 6 this morning. Try to get through this within the time that we have. <clears throat> so I'm, I don't want to leave anybody behind, but I'm going to try to move at a really good pace. And, I, and there's a lot of, I guess, uh, explanation and interpretation that has to take place so bear with me and uh so if you have it say amen amen verse number five it says thomas saith unto him lord we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way this is an interesting question Because actually, you can look at it maybe in two different, two different ways. Philip, or Thomas here is talking about knowing the way. Show us the way. Mm-hmm. We don't know where you're going, whether you're going. Mm-hmm. Of course, what Jesus was facing 
was the cross. Mm -hmm. Amen. And he was going to, in a short, a few days after that, he was going to offer him up as a sacrifice. And uh, so obviously that question, and for the, for the purpose of, of trying to answer that question, he was asking them, we don't know which way to go. And this was all do, this was all happening, this was all taking place so that humanity, mankind can finally have access to God. Amen. Jesus was going to break the barrier that sin had placed there between man and God through his flesh so that we could have access to God. So that's what he, he was, I believe that's one of the reasons why he asked that question. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how to go. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, this is what, what his answer was. He said, Jesus saith unto him, he said, listen to this. He said, I am the way. Mm -hmm. I am the way. I am the truth. And the life. Amen. Pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Mm -hmm. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Mm -hmm. So he makes the declaration that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come unto the Father but by Him. Amen. So when we when we think about what Jesus is saying here, and the statement He's making, He said, "This no man can come come to the Father but by Me." Mm -hmm. So the only way you can come to God, the only way you can have access and come into the presence of God, is by me. Amen. Now, if if you're if you don't know this, and, and those of you that are, uh, you know, further along in your understanding, your spiritual understanding, because this will help you to understand. Remember, as much as we try to have to figure this out. We cannot figure things out in our carnal mind. Because our carnal mind cannot make sense as far as the things of God is concerned. Mm -hmm. So in order for that to happen, we have to understand that He's speaking in this sense. He's speaking spiritually. Amen. He's speaking spiritually. Mm -hmm. So in, in order to understand that, you have to have a the ability to understand what it is to to know spiritual spiritual things, the, the things of God. So you have to be spiritually minded. Mm -hmm. Amen. Is that understandable? Amen. So here's the thing. <clears throat> to be able to, to understand it, we're going to deal with, you know, just maybe somehow to get you to to kind of see see and and, and, and realize what's going on here, but this is basically based, what Jesus was, talk, was talking about was basically based upon concept and principle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, if you, have a, if you have a little difficult time understanding what that means, concept and principle. The concept is basically 
when we talk about you know things, you know, when we talk about concept, there's there's a certain way that we approach something. There's a certain way we try to understand something. So what we do is we, we obviously we give ourselves to it. We, we begin to open up our minds and our heart and our spirit to it so that we can understand what he's talking about. Of course, he's talking about here. Here's a concept. This is how it's going to happen to you if you understand this concept. So when you understand the concept, what's going to happen after that? You're going to find out that in this concept is principle. Everybody lives by a principle. Amen. You do. Amen. You're influenced by something. Your 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 whole everything about your life, it's you know it's it all pertains to whatever principle you live you live according to in your mind, whatever you believe. Mm -hmm. That's the principle you live by. So you're living somebody's principles today. Amen. But this is the principle we're talking about. This principle is is God's principle. Amen. So I want you to understand that this is. This is something that will help us to, to basically come into that place of really knowing God. Amen. Having access to God. Mm -hmm. Okay? Amen. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 5, you can go there if you want to in verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore being justified by faith, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith. Simply put, it means this. If we're going to be justified by faith, it's going to be because of what we believe. Faith is believing. So if you believe in the Lord and you believe what the Word is, Amen is speaking to us and you, you say, okay, I believe God. That's what faith is. So you're justified by your faith. In other words, you're justified by believing the word of God. So being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have peace with God because of our faith. Our, our faith is going to justify us with God. So we're going to have peace. Mm -hmm. By whom also, because of that, by whom also we have access. By faith into this grace wherein we stand. So that gives us access. When we're justified by our faith, that gives us access. Mm -hmm. By grace in wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, we're going to come to that place. This is what's going to bring us to God. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to bring us to Him and so that we can have fellowship with him we can know him we can have a relationship now <clears throat> you think about this when what Jesus was talking about I am the way the truth and the life when you look at that word way in, in the New Testament the Greek word is hodos hodos h-o-d-o-s hodos for those of, you, those of you who want to look it up. You know what it means? Hodos means, a way means a road. It's a road. A process. 
and a progress. Wow. <laughs> a process, a progress. Now here's an, here's another here's the last part of it. A means. So when he's talking about the way, he's talking about the way being a road. It's a process, it's a progress, and it's a means. So he said, I am the way. I am the road. I am the process. I am the progress. I am the means. Mm -hmm. The way, the truth. The Greek word aletheia. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. Aletheia. Truth means this. This simply means this. Truth. And here's another portion of it. Reality. Mm -hmm. Amen. Truth, reality. Now listen to this. This is really important for you to understand this when he talks about truth. Something not concealed. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if it's not concealed, it's going to be revealed. Mm -hmm. So that you can know it. That's beautiful, isn't it? So remember that, the way, the truth, and then here's the other part of it, the life. You notice how he says that? You read that scripture verse, he says, the way, the truth, the life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he doesn't say a way, a truth, a life. No. He says the, mm -hmm. the, the way, the truth, the life. So when we look at that word life, the Greek word is is she here this morning? Zoe. Yeah, she's here. All right. <laughs> Spell just like it. Z-O-E. Zoe. You know what that means? It means life. Life or to live. So, that, so he's saying, he said, I am the truth. I will not conceal I am reality. I am life. He said, I am life, and I, I am the life to live. Amen. Woo. Amen. That's beautiful, isn't it? Amen. So you put it, you put it into context. You put it into context. So, so now you understand why Paul said that. You know, we, we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. So, so when, when, you, when you take a look at that, now, now remember, remember this now, so, so you can understand this next portion of it. Jesus was a Jew. Mm -hmm. He was of the tribe of Judah. Approximate age at his birth, 33 and a half years. I mean, his death, 33 and a half years. Young man. Mm -hmm. And here he was making that declaration. I am the way, mm -hmm. the truth, and the life. Amen. But he, he was speaking from the standpoint of knowing, of course, he was the Word of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. Knowing the Word, because he was the Word. Mm -hmm. So everything that, when, remember when I was saying, when I talked to you about this word, concept and principle, mm -hmm. he understood the concept and principle of the Scripture. Mm -hmm. So what he was referring Two was what was written in the Word of God. In order for us to have access 
to God. Amen. Amen. Access to God. In order for you to be able to enter into God's presence, mm -hmm. there's certain things that you have to do. There's certain requirements that have to be fulfilled in order for even a person to enter into the house of God. So what he's referring to, he's referring to the scripture. Mm -hmm. He's referring to the then covenant that was Amen. That was binding. Because he was still, he was still alive. Uh -huh. Amen. So the only covenant that was binding at the time of his life was what? The law. Mm -hmm. The Mosaic covenant. Mm -hmm. So here, so so here now we get an understanding of what he's talking about. Now, in order for us to access. God, we have to follow. What did I say the truth was? A process. Mm -hmm. It was the road. It was a process. And that process was also a progress. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you followed the process, you were also going to come to a place where it was going to be progressive. Mm -hmm. In other words, you would have to, amen, come to certain points in that way, down that road, you would come to certain points that, were, that you were going to, Obviously, it was going to be progressive. Mm -hmm. You were going to come to one thing to the other mm -hmm. in order for you to understand what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Amen. Huh? Amen. Am I making sense? Amen. So I know sometimes we have, a dif we have difficulty. And, in, you know, how many of you ever read in the scripture where the Bible says that, uh, the Bible says that, uh, the Old Testament covenant was a type and shadow of the New Testament. How many of you have ever read that? Mm -hmm. You come in, you come across it and you, and you read it and you say or you read so that it was a type and shadow. In other words, Amen. Everything about the New Testament doctrine was was contained in the Old Testament mm -hmm. covenant, but it was kind of hidden in a way. Amen. It was hidden. It was it, it was disguised. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, but but the teaching was right there. So we understand that. And so a lot of the times. Some of the the uh, the writers, which the, which are the apostles of the of the New Testament, would elude to Old Testament scriptures just to kind of get us to understand. For 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 one, I'll give an example in in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse number one. Uh, if you if you choose to go there, this is what Paul said. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the Red Sea, and all. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the Red Sea. So they're saying this, them following Moses, because they followed Moses, they went through the Red Sea, and they were under the cloud. Mm -hmm. They were under the cloud, and they, they passed through the Red Sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the Red Sea. So here we, here we see this. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the Red Sea. In other words, that was a type and shadow of the New Testament covenant. Amen. Amen. Am I making sense? Amen. So they were partakers of that New Testament covenant. So you see that. And then, then you go over there to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, <clears throat> real quickly like, uh, and you read there in verse number 1, it says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. So you see that. Mm -hmm. It had 
ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. So they did everything in accordance to, and, and that's what Jesus was, basically he was coming from, from that standpoint of understanding what the concept and the principle of coming to God, what it was going to take. So that's what he was talking about. That's what he was referring to. Okay. Do I still have you? Amen. So, so when you think about when you think about entering into the presence of God, entering into your presence of God. Now, let's let's talk about it from the Jewish standpoint. Whenever a, a Jew, of course, all the Jewish families were represented by the head of the family. So whenever sacrifices were offered, the head of the family were the, were the ones to go and take their sacrifices to the priest mm -hmm. so that they could be offered up. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into that right now, but there, there were blood sacrifice and blood bloodless sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Okay? There were different types of uh, uh, offerings for sin. There was the sin offering, there was the, 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 the burnt offering, and the peace offering. And within these three offerings, there were all other types of offerings that were associated with that trespass offering, uh, the, the heave offering, the wave offering, all, the, all these were all a part of that. That was, the, that was the, the concept. So they were all a part of that. So that's what they did. So when they, when they, when they would offer their sacrifices, when they came into the, the area of, of the tabernacle, the tabernacle was situated where around the tabernacle, which is referred to as the outer court of the tabernacle. The outer court of the tabernacle had a, a barrier. And that barrier was, was almost like, you know, like, like a wall that had hanging curtains on it. And the way it was situated, but of course, the, the, outer, the outer court of the tabernacle was... Uh, was was uh, let me let me get, get it right here. The outer court of the tabernacle was 100 cubits in length and 50 cubits in width. So it was a good size mm -hmm. area. Okay, that area was enclosed with those white linen curtains that basically separated the tabernacle from the from the congregation of Israel. So to access to go into the court of the tabernacle, you had to access it. And the access, the opening was toward the east end. So, if we were to enter the tabernacle, we had to enter it from the east end. We would come in right here to be able to enter it. Mm -hmm. And you would enter in by a, a opening, mm -hmm. which they call the gate. Mm -hmm. But all it was was a curtain that hanged down, and that curtain was made of blue, scarlet, and purple. Mm -hmm. Amen. So you would open that, open it up to be able to go into, you would start your your access, you would start your, your, your process of entering into God's presence. You were entering into the outer court of the tabernacle and eventually you would end up before the door of the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. So as you're entering into the tabernacle, what is one of the first things that you've seen as you entered into the tabernacle? The altar. The, altar. the first item was the altar. As you went into the tabernacle, the first thing that you seen was the altar. Remember that. There's a reason why, when I say process and progress, mm -hmm. 
you would you would see that altar there and that altar was constructed of you know they say the bible says shittim wood mm -hmm. the other the other and other translations say uh acacia which is the same wood acacia and shittim wood and guess what it was made it was constructed of that wood but it, it was overlaid with overlaid with bronze mm -hmm. okay You read that in Exodus 20, 24, if you want to go there. Exodus 20, 24. You see this in, uh, as he's talking about this piece of furniture. He says, uh, where am I? It says, In verse 24, an altar of of earth thou shalt make unto me and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thy oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. So he says, look what he says. This altar, he said, where I record my name, mm -hmm. I will come unto thee. Mm -hmm. Amen. The altar was a place of bloodshed. Mm -hmm. That's where they, the animals were sacrificed. The bulls, the rams, the goats, the lambs, the turtle doves. That's where they were sacrificed. And that's where they were offered up. That's where they were offered as a burnt sacrifice. So obviously the altar, the altar is a representation of bloodshed. Mm -hmm. The altar is a representation because it's a representation, representation of bloodshed. It also represents repentance. Hmm? We come to that place. So what is the first thing that you do when you enter the presence of God? If you have a heart to want to enter into the presence of God, one of the first things that has to take place in that person is this. Repentance. You've got to come to the altar first mm -hmm. to offer your sacrifice, to bring your sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So you bring your sacrifice, you offer it, you're, you're, you're repenting. And the Bible says that His name, His name... His name is recorded on the altar. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why, why is that? Well, what does the Bible say? That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name mm -hmm. among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So repentance has to be in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you enter into the presence of God, that's the first thing that you do. That's the first process you take care of. And then the second one, as you make your way, as you enter into the inner court of the tabernacle and you make away the second uh, piece of or item uh, that, that you come to is the brazen laver. Again, the brazen laver was made out of shittim wood and overlaid with bronze. Mm -hmm. 
Okay? So you go there, you can go there, go there with me in, in Exodus chapter uh, 30. Kind of give you, I'm, I'm just doing this so you can get an, you can get an idea, you can see, you can see what we're talking about as far as, in, in 30, verse number 18, it says, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. So it was situated between the altar and the tabernacle. And thou shalt put water therein, and Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offerings made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and it shall be a statute forever to them even to him and to his seed therefore their his seed throughout their generation so in other words he said you need to wash when Aaron and his sons come to the labor before they begin any process of ministry they need to wash at the labor before they go to the altar they need to wash at the labor Whoever doesn't wash at the labor, he says, Amen, that soul's going to be cut off. They need to wash their hands and their feet that they die not. Mm-hmm. He said, if it's a statute forever, forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their, uh, throughout their uh, generation. Uh, go to uh, Exodus 38. In Exodus 38, you see there in verse number uh, 8, it says, <clears throat> And he made the labor of brass, and the foot of it, of it brass, and of, the look, and of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So here's the thing. When they built the labor, when they constructed it, in the center of that labor, where, and, and it was just like a, you know, anybody know what a, what a, what a trough is? Okay, the trough was circular, and in the center there was kind of like a pedestal or a pillar, and along that pillar they attached all these looking glasses, in other words, mirrors. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when you approach to wash, guess what you could do? You could look at yourself. Mm-hmm. You could see your own reflection Amen. while you're washing. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. When, we come, when we come to God, God will always show us. Mm-hmm. Who we are. Amen. We will always see ourselves Amen. as God sees us. Amen. That's what it means by looking into that looking glass. We can look at ourselves, see our true reflection. Amen. And of course, the importance of washing. That's New Testament water baptism. Amen. Mm-hmm. Being baptized. In Jesus' name. Remember, this is a process, and this is progressive. It's a progress. Mm-hmm. So the altar, then the labor. Now, I want you to understand something. This is beautiful. We have just went through the articles of furniture, the items, on the outside of the tabernacle, in, situated in the inner court. 
the brazen uh, altar and the brazen labor. Now you notice something. As you make your, as you progress and as you, as you want to enter into the tabernacle itself, you're going to leave these items. But here's the thing. Look at, look, look at the difference between what is situated on the outside and then what is, going, what is situated on the inside. Because once they made, once they made, and they took those steps and they fulfilled God's word and they were able to access into the tabernacle itself, all the items inside the tabernacle. When you left the, the, the uh, brazen labor and you entered, and, and here's the thing. When they entered into the tabernacle, there was a curtain that you had to walk through to enter in. Mm -hmm. That curtain was constructed of the same material that you had to enter in when you entered in the, the, the outer court of the, of the tabernacle. The same type of curtain that was constructed of what did I say they were? Blue, scarlet, purple. Okay, there's a reason why that, there's that color. But when you enter in, you entered into the area of the tabernacle. Remember the tabernacle basically had two rooms. So that first room that you entered into after you left the, the labor was the holy place. Mm -hmm. So you entered into the holy place and the first place that you stopped at the, it, while you entered into the holy place, as far as God's order was concerned, you came to the table of showbread. Mm -hmm. So when you entered into the, the holy place, the table of showbread was, was situated on the right side as you entered in. And of course, the table of showbread, if, let's read there, the table of showbread in Exodus 25, 30, if you're still in Exodus there, the table of showbread was, was uh, <clears throat> in, in verse number 30, it says, And thou shalt set upon the table, the table showbread before me. And you go to Exodus, uh, Leviticus 24, Leviticus 24, and, and verses uh, 5 through 9, and you'll see this. You'll see... And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tent deals with shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row, upon pure table, upon the pure table before the Lord. And thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, for an ever, for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord, continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So here we see the table of showbread. Of course, the table of showbread was made with shittim wood or acacia, but here's the difference. It was overlaid with gold. Uh -huh. Okay, let me stop here just to interject something here. When I said, when you come from the outside, you get to the inside. Mm 
The altar and the laver are made of shittim wood overlaid with bronze or brass. That's on the outside of the tabernacle. But when you enter into the holy place, and the first place that you come to in this process is the table of showbread. Ah, man, there's some beautiful things. I need to hurry up, but the table of showbread. So the table of showbread was constructed of shittim wood or acacia, but it was overlaid with gold. The difference was from the outside to the inside, what they were overlaid with was different. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a difference between bronze and gold. Hmm? Why is it? Mm -hmm. Everything that has to do, listen to this. Remember where the altar and the labor are situated. Mm -hmm. They're situated on the outside, Amen. not on the inside. So everything that has to deal with our human nature, the outer shell, mm -hmm. is never covered with gold. Amen. It's represented by bronze. Why? Because of sin. Amen. Because of the sin that has to be. Amen. Washed away because of the sin that has to be dealt with. Did you realize something? You and I are still human beings. We're Amen. still mortal beings. Amen. We can still fall to sin mm -hmm. if we allow our our, our, our carn carnal nature to get a hold. We can still fall to sin. Amen. Which is not good. Amen. Paul said, uh, shall we continue in, in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, in order for God to deal with that part of us as human beings, guess what? It's always going to, amen, involve sacrifice, the shedding of blood, mm -hmm. and washing. Amen. That's what, that's how God sees our exterior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> amen. Am I making any sense? Amen. So here we see the, the table of showbread as you enter into the holy place. And, and uh, you, we see what, uh, what the Bible says about it. And, and here, here was a, here's, here's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I, never, I never realized, but the showbread, one, one of the translations of the showbread is this. Actually, what it really means is, show me. Mm -hmm. People read that S-H-E-W-B-R-E-A-D. That's Old English. I've heard people say that shoe me, a shoe bread. You don't pronounce it shoe bread. You pronounce it show bread. It's just old English, archaic English. So show bread, show me. The priests were to partake of it when they went in to minister before the Lord. That was their sustenance. They ate of it. It was unleavened bread. They ate of it. And it was stacked up in, in two rows, six loaves on each row. Of course, when we talk about loaves, it's different than what we're used to as far as the loaves of bread that we go buy from Walmart or wherever. They come in a, in a package. We say, oh, a loaf of bread. When they talk about loaves, they were flat, round, cylindrical loaves that were flat so they could stack them, you know, six on, on top of one another. But did you realize this? They were to eat them in a certain order. They couldn't just randomly take from one stack and go to in, in another stack. They had to eat them in a certain order. Amen. 
and they were renewed mm -hmm. they were renewed every Sabbath mm -hmm. so a new batch was put in on that table but this is what the priests ate so that they could have the strength and the energy to minister before God mm -hmm. okay but here's, here's the other thing Jesus is, is talking about this and in, in, uh, go with me to the book of John remember I said this all has to do with concept and principle and Jesus is, is talking about it and, and uh, he's talking about this and and uh, verse number 35 or let's back up a little bit He says in verse number 32, Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Mm -hmm. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. <clears throat> Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Mm -hmm. So, Jesus is the bread of life. Amen. That showbread represented, amen, Jesus, mm -hmm. the bread of life. Amen. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about you know what we're talking about the bread of life of course it was made without leaven so it wasn't leavened bread representing him being sinless mm -hmm. but giving us strength God's word giving us strength when we ingest it look what the Bible says they were instructed to put frankincense on the showbread They seasoned it with frankincense. Mm -hmm. So when they ate of it and they tasted that frankincense, you know what frankincense does? Frankincense is almost like it kind of has a slightly bitter taste to it. So when you eat it, it's just like you're, you're going to respond to frankincense if you ever taste frankincense. It has a bitter taste. Something that we probably wouldn't agree with. But they seasoned, seasoned it with frankincense. You know why it is? Because the word of God, when we ingest the word of God, you know what it does? It's bitter to the carnal man. Amen. Huh? Yes. Mm -hmm. Carnal man doesn't, can't stand as far as the word of God <laughs> when it basically reveals, because show me bread, when it reveals our human nature. So when we partake of it, guess what? Sometimes when we read the Word of God, the certain portions of it, guess what? It's bitter to our carnal nature, isn't it? Amen. But man, the inner man sure goes after yeah. it. Amen. So from there, remember we're still talking about concept and principle. We're still talking about uh, process and uh, progression. So from there, when you left the when you left the, the, 
table of showbread, the next place you stopped at was the altar of incense, which was situated right before the curtain that went into the holiest of all, the altar of incense. And go there in the book of Exodus chapter 30 again. Let's go back to Exodus 30, just for reference sake. You'll see there in Exodus 30, verses uh, 6, I believe it is. It says, uh, And thou shalt put it there before the veil that is by the ark. He's talking about the, the, the altar of incense. Thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. So here we have another example of that being made of the same wood and overlaid with gold and thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that it is over that is over the testimony where I will meet with thee so here we see and Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps he shall burn incense upon it so in other words they were to offer incense upon the altar of incense every time they dressed the lamps, which was morning and evening. Amen. So they were to alter, uh, offer incense morning and evening. What does that mean? What does the altar of incense mean to us? What does that symbolize? You know what that means? The altar of incense means this. It means our communion with God. Us coming to God, us praying and offering up our prayers to God. That's what it means. The altar of incense. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. It was to be offered daily. Mm -hmm. Twice a day. Amen. It was to be a continual offering. A continual offering. You go over and... First Thessalonians chapter 5 and uh, verse number 17 I believe let me see he says pray without ceasing For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. They were to not let, they were to offer that incense on the altar of incense morning and evening. Pray without ceasing. So we understand what that means as far as prayer is concerned. So after you left the altar of incense, then you moved over to the candlesticks, which were on the left side of the holy place. The golden candlesticks also made, they were made of chitin wood and overlaid with gold. In verse uh, Exodus chapter 25, here we see uh, a reference to the instruction to Moses concerning the golden candlesticks. And uh, we'll be reading right around 
verse number 31 it says and thou shalt make a golden uh, thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold <clears throat> of beaten work shall the candlestick be made his shaft and his branches his bowls his knops his flowers shall be of the same so here's his instructions as far as the golden candlesticks and you go over there to Exodus 26 and verse number 35 and it says and thou shalt set the <clears throat> let's see yeah and thou shalt set uh, the tab table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south and thou shalt put the table on the north side so he's talking about the placement of the the showbread and the, the candlesticks, but the candlesticks were situated on the south side, which is the left side of the tabernacle. So you can see that. Uh, Exodus uh, 27, 20 and 21, it says this, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil, beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his son shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So here we see the instructions given as far as, amen, the golden candlesticks. And the golden candlesticks was the source for the priests was the source of life for the priest inside the holy of the holy place because everything else was was covered up with the with the outer skins and everything so there was no natural natural light inside the holy place or the holy of holies so the golden candlesticks was what gave the priest light to be able to see to minister before the lord it was their light source it's beautiful isn't it you go over there to uh, John uh, chapter 1. Hopefully this is the right scripture verse. John chapter 1. Uh, Gospel of John chapter 1. You'll see this in verse number uh, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not that light but sent to bear witness of that light it's talking about jesus that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world so jesus john was referencing that jesus was the light of the world so you go to john chapter 8 verse number 12 you read here In this scripture, it says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Okay, I need to move on because we're running out of time. So, when you access, when you came into the holy place, from the outside and you came in and you hit you you access the table of showbread 
and then the altar of incense. And then finally, the golden candlesticks. Remember, it's a process, and it's a process by where, where we progress. Of course, the showbread represents the Word of God, and we understand, and the Lord reveals things to us by the Word of God. When we ingest the Word of God, it gives us the strength we need. And also, when we offer the incense on the altar, of incense daily as instructed as he instructed the priest to offer it daily morning and evening a symbol of our communion with God our relationship with God and then also being able to minister because of the light the golden candlestick we could see to minister before the Lord so here we are, the way, the truth, the life, the showbread, the word of God, the incense, prayer, huh? the candlestick, understanding, enlightenment, the way, the truth, the truth and the life. So when he was finished, only one time a year could they enter into the holiest of holiest through the veil that was between the holy place and the holiest of all. Only one time a year where the Ark of the Covenant was situated. Again, they access the veil that was between those two areas in the tabernacle. And of course, the veil was made of the same material of what was coming in from the outside. It was made of blue of scarlet, of purple. So beyond the veil that separated the holy place from the holiest of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. It was made of acacia wood or shittim wood and it also was overlaid with gold. The Ark of the Covenant was the most important object in the whole tabernacle. And it was played a part as far as the Feast of, Tab uh, Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement, it was the focal point of attention on the Day of Atonement. The lid was called the mercy seat and represented the throne of God. So here, uh, let's go to Exodus 25.10. Exodus 25.10. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubics and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubic and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubic and a half the height thereof. Verse number 17, And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubics and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubic and a half the breadth thereof. In verse number 22 it says, And there will I meet with thee, and I will commune with thee, from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So here we see, here we see the instructions concerning the ark of the covenant. 
and the ark was only able to be accessed on one day of the year that was the day of atonement when they made atonement for the sins of Israel so we see that uh, scripture verse one more scripture verse Hebrews chapter 9 go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9 <clears throat> and you see this in Hebrews chapter 9 Verses uh, 3 to 7, it says this, And after the second veil, the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. He's talking about the holy place. But unto the second went the high priest alone once a year. That's the holiest of all. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So we see that... Uh, They only had access to the Ark of the Covenant only one day out of the whole year they could access. The high priest could go in there and make atonement for the sins of Israel. One time out of the year so that he could make atonement so that the sins of Israel could be rolled back one more year. In other words, guess what? So that judgment will not fall on the people of Israel. They rolled the judgment of God back one year. Well, that first tabernacle was standing up, you couldn't enter the presence of God, but one time a year. But you had to follow every requirement as you went along. You had to follow the process. And that process was a progressive process. So you, you went to every part. Guess what? That's needful for you and I. That's needful for our salvation. Why? Because we're going to find out. I won't be able to tell you this morning, but we'll find out next Sunday why this is important. So I want you to understand that. We'll stop here for this morning. Thank you very much for your patience.